All right. Are we good? Can you hear me? We'll dismiss the children now. Uh, we have uh, nursery, you know, elementary age. Look at that. That's, that's a beautiful sight. We got to remember to pray for the, the workers in the children's ministry. There's, there's a lot of energy there. It's, it's going to be hard to match that. Hallelujah. Christ the Lord is risen today. Wish I could sing for you, but I, I won't do that. Uh, although my family had to uh, put up with it this morning, they were pretty annoyed. Um, we have a tradition. I don't know. This is a, there was a memorable Easter service, and I think maybe Rusty might have had something to do with it. Maybe not, maybe not, but Merlin, uh, maybe the, the song selection. I, they played one, one morning here at Harvest, I mean, 10 years ago probably. Uh, Keith Green, the Easter song, and Don Francisco. He's alive, and so if you need a playlist for Easter morning or any time really in your life, you should probably go home and put that on, learn the words enough that you can belt it at the top of your lungs, and then pick up your kids and dance around the living room. Uh, Adara and I almost didn't make it this morning. The dog ran in front of us, and I was uh, frolicking um, with her in my arms, and then our giant golden retriever ran right in front of me. And, uh, but we were spared. Glory to God. Uh, there's something about, you know, sometimes, sometimes you, you sing from joy, right? Like you have joy and then you sing, but sometimes you make yourself sing because you believe and you generate joy. You know, I've been reflecting and this is off topic and I'll try not to do this too much. I'll bring my phone out so I can watch the clock. And be considerate of the kids back there and you guys and all your plans. But uh, one of my favorite verses is in Malachi. I've talked to Hogan about this briefly. And I won't say too much because then you'll hold me accountable. But it, it talks about how the son of righteousness will rise over you with healing in his wings. And you'll frolic like a calf loosed from its stall. And I've talked about this before. That picture, that's, that's a beautiful image. If you've seen a baby calf or maybe a colt of a horse that is just released on fresh pasture in spring, the way that they jump and frolic. And um, I have some issues where I would like some healing and, you know, nothing major. But it's like, um, I think frolicking might be a key to, to some healing. He'll rise with righteousness and uh, healing in his wings, and you'll frolic like a calf. And I just kind of feel God challenging me to, to be more of a frolicker, you know. Like, I think if I went out every single morning and I frolicked in the grass, like, there would be healing come to my body. I think, I think that would be good for us, you know? Joy is good for the body. Laughter is good for the bones, right? Um, and we have much to celebrate today because Christ is risen. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's amazing that we're here today, 2022, right? The year, like the last three years, I can't remember even what year we're in. They just go by right? We're, we reckon our calendar, our date pivots on Christ. 
And we're here gathered thousands of years later celebrating this event, celebrating the resurrection. And if you could zoom out, I wish I could do this, you know, I wish I could have a a digital effect, but we could zoom out of this church and just look at all the churches celebrating the resurrection of Christ in Washington and then in our county and then, you know, in our country and the nations around the world. The fact that people are gathering and singing with joy and celebrating and believing and they do that every Sunday and they're ordering and organizing their life around this event, the resurrection of Jesus 2,000 years later, is amazing. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, if you have your Bible, that's where we're going to be, he makes a a bold claim. And it's a claim that, um, you know, I I have to take, I take into consideration and I I think about. um, And he says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. He says, if Christ hasn't been raised, first of all, if Christ wasn't resurrected, I'm, gonna, I'm building a case here. I'm making, laying down some claims, and I'll try to back them up. If Christ wasn't resurrected, we would not be here. The church would not exist. Christianity would not exist. And I'll, I'll back that up here in a second. Paul says, if Christ was not raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Now, I I look at faith, and I I kind of want to be an apologist. I want to make claims about faith. I want to encourage people to believe in Jesus and follow him. And and there are benefits, I'd say, you know, I I could point out benefits maybe to a secular person of faith. There's benefits to thanksgiving. There's like scientifically verifiable, proven benefits to your health and your life and your attitude, your well-being, to doing what the Bible says, being thankful. And I'm just going to give a few examples. I could give many. There are benefits to longevity. You live longer if you're a part, a regular part of a religious community, right? There's benefits to religion. If you have, read the book of Proverbs, if you have a Puritan work ethic, there are benefits to your life. If you have, uh, if you obey the Ten Commandments and you live uh, to the code of ethics laid out in the Bible, there are benefits You will receive benefits in this life. But Paul says all of that, even that, is futile or worthless if Christ isn't resurrected. It's it's meaningless. It's It's not worth it. Saying what we're doing, what we're about, it's worthless unless Christ is resurrected. Now, the resurrection of Christ, uh, to use some modern words, uh, has suffered and, I would say, stood the test of time uh, against misinformation campaigns. You heard that word, misinformation? Disinformation, propaganda, assaults. It has stood the test of time. It's an easy thing to discredit. If someone claims to be resurrected, produce a body. That shuts it down. Uh, I'm going to show you uh, why I believe the resurrection But I want to get into 1 Corinthians to begin. So I want to say, I believe the resurrection. And if it wasn't for the resurrection, some of you might say, well, Christ was a good teacher, so I want to follow him. The Bible has good instruction, so I want to read the Bible. You know, Jesus died. His death was meaningful, like it was sacrificial. It was symbolic. You can say those things. But without the resurrection, 
All of this is worth it. And so if you're a modern person, it may be a hard thing for you to embrace or to believe. Uh, But we're not as sophisticated compared to the past ages as we think we are. You know, there were Paul, when he went preached to the, the, the Greeks and the Romans, when he'd go to Athens, they would follow along with his teaching. They liked to hear his teaching. And guess where they got tripped up? When he talked about the resurrection. They stumbled. He'd go to Greek cities. He'd go to Gentiles. Um, there were some that we say just pre, prior to the verse 17 that I read, he's addressing the claims that some make that there's no resurrection. They said that there's no resurrection from the dead for average people. And he says, if there's no resurrection, Christ wasn't resurrected. And if he wasn't resurrected, our faith is futile. But I want to look at 1 Corinthians uh, 15. And let's just start today at verse 1. And I want to to go through this and and, and address some things. So first of all, if you're new here, welcome. We're glad that you're here with us. Uh, we want you to join us. We want you to be a part of it. If you're somewhere on the, the spectrum of belief, like maybe you're skeptical about the resurrection, you're skeptical about the claims of Christ, you're welcome. Uh, we'd love for you to be here. We wanna, we'd love to talk to you through that um, and answer any honest questions you have. We're not trying to chase you away or anything like that. We want you to join our community and, 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 and investigate these things. I don't want to believe something that's not true. You know, I don't want to believe something that's not true. Even if it's comforting to me, I would rather know the truth than believe a lie. But I am convinced that Christ died and was resurrected. So we invite you to investigate those things with us. So uh, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 15. Now, brothers and sisters, this is Paul writing, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. And the word gospel means good news. It was a, a word that was in common use in the Roman world. Um, there would be proclamations of good news. Maybe they would, there would be heralds that would go around and proclaim good news. Maybe it was good news like about the empire or about military campaigns or about um, social events. It could be good news. It was just, it was a common uh, used word. And now it's come to be more of like a proper noun uh, referring to the, the message of Jesus Christ. But he said, I'm, I'm reminding you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Okay, and so I want to make some notes here. Uh, and I believe every person in this room, uh, this addresses our situation. Okay, Um, so first of all, uh, and you'll see what I mean here. So he says, I preach to you, which you received. These Corinthians received the message of Jesus, right? It was preached to them and they received it. There is a way that we receive and believe the message of Jesus. That was the past, something they did in the past. And he said, on which you stand. Okay, they're standing in the truth, they're standing on the gospel. They're believing it. They're in a continued state of belief. And then he says, uh, and if you hold fast, which is a future condition, you hold fast onto it into the future. 
And so some of you are here hearing a message. The message is being preached to you. Some of you are receiving it or have just received it. Some of you, hopefully many of you, are standing in it. And hopefully all of you will hold fast to it. So wherever you are, this is addressing us in our state of belief. We need to hold fast to it. I want to give a word about the Corinthian church. He's writing here uh, in Corinth. It was an interesting city. It was destroyed at one time and then rebuilt, possibly by Julius Caesar. It was on an isthmus, like a narrow section of land between two gulfs. And it was a trade city. Boats would come in on one side. and Instead of making like a long, treacherous journey around this peninsula, they would unload. The cargo would be carried across this landmass and repackaged on ship, you know, then put back on ships on the other side instead of sailing around. And so all kinds of trade, all kinds of commerce came through. Uh, The Romans were there. It was settled with, uh, you know, Roman citizens and soldiers that were given citizenship and freed slaves and things like that. And the Romans, the Greeks returned. Many people from Asia, um, you know, the Orient would come because they were involved in the trade. And there was enough Jews there that there was a synagogue. So this is a a cosmopolitan city. Uh, One scholar described it as intellectually alert, uh, materially prosperous, and morally corrupt. At a high point in the city was a temple to Aphrodite, who was a goddess of love. It was a center, you know, a place of lust and immorality for sure. And that permeated the city. Intellectually alert, materially prosperous, and morally corrupt. Um, And I was thinking about that, you know, the church existed and was standing in a society of these conditions. You know, that maybe not the, sometimes it doesn't seem like we're very intellectually alert in America today, uh, but we're materially prosperous and it seems morally corrupt. I was thinking this sounds like um, San Francisco maybe or something like that, you know, a city that has influence. There, there's, there's things that happen there that influence the rest of the country, ideas that take root. And this is what's Corinth. And there was a church that, although they had some serious issues, Paul did say they were standing on the gospel. And I take, I take hope from that. Church, we can stand in the midst of a society that is counter to the claims of Christ. We can stand. And we might have issues. The Corinthians had issues. They had things going on. You can read the letter and dive into that. That's not the point of the message. But we can stand, imperfect though we may be, we can stand and we can hold fast and we can proclaim the gospel. And from Corinth, and ideas that took root there, it said, would spread to other parts of the empire, other parts of the world. And we can believe that that can happen. So receive, stand, hold fast. This is the path forward uh, for believers in Jesus. And it says, by this gospel you're saved. I read to you, from uh, Isaiah 53, when I was up here, up here during worship, that's Christ died for our sins. Um, and I'm going to continue on reading here. He says, i got to turn the page. For what I received, Paul also received the gospel. He heard it, he received it, he believed it, he stood on it, and he held fast to it. And he passed it on. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. So this, he's summarizing the gospel, that Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. His death on the cross, he was an innocent man. There was, there was no sin in him. He was perfect, a spotless, 
blameless lamb. He was sacrificed and he died for our sins to save us and to forgive us. So he died for our sins. And it goes on to say, according to the scriptures. This was something that God had planned. In, in Revelation it says, Jesus was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. This was something that God had planned from the very beginning. Scriptures proclaimed it. The, the book of Isaiah was written hundreds of years before the events that occurred on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. It was written and it was prophesying, telling, proclaiming what God was going to do. There's other, other passages in, in Psalm 16, uh, which has come up recently in my personal reading. It says that he won't let his Holy One see decay. God gave hints all throughout Scripture. Christ was going to die. He was going to suffer. He was going to die for our sins and he was going to rise again. He did not see decay. And he goes on to say that he was buried. His death was confirmed. His death was confirmed on the cross. It was confirmed when he was embalmed uh, or his body was treated when he was put in the grave and the tomb was sealed. He was put in the grave. He was buried. He was dead. And he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. There's some that claim that uh, the death of Jesus could have been, maybe he swooned. There's a swoon theory. I don't know if you know this. He swooned on the cross. I don't, I think only like, in my mind, only like women in southern, southern movies do that. You know, like old southern times, they swoon. So Jesus swooned on the, on the cross. If you understand crucifixion, our word that we have today, excruciating, uh, comes from the word out of the cross. Literally means out of the cross. So if you have excruciating pain, you have pain that's like pain out of the cross. The most extreme, violent death uh, possibly that has been imagined uh, by you know, cruel and, and inhumane as a way to die. Christ suffered. I, you can listen to messages on that. You can read up on that. It's, it's gruesome. It's terrifying. Um, it's painful. There's some that say that, uh, you know, that his body was stolen, perhaps. But there was, we know from reading the Gospels, they knew, they, they knew that he predicted, Jesus Christ himself predicted he would rise on the third day. And they put an armed guard of Roman soldiers who would be punishable by death if they failed in their duty to guard the tomb. The tomb was guarded. The body was dead. It was sealed. He didn't swoon and revive. He didn't take, you know, some hallucinogenic drug or some uh, whatever, whatever you call that. You know, he didn't, he didn't take some magic cocktail that, you know, just put him out for a few days and, and revived him. He was dead. There's some that say that his uh, believers were so distraught they suffered a mass hallucination. What we see here, Paul goes on to say, and he, he's verifying this that he appeared to Cephas, who is Peter, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. He's verifying these claims. Uh, in this time, um, you know, something couldn't, a claim couldn't be verified without two witnesses, at least two witnesses. And a man's word, a person's word, was a sacred thing. There wasn't 
this wasn't something to be taken lightly. These people claimed and, and verified that they had seen the risen Christ. It was verified. One of the most convincing arguments to the validity of the resurrection. This is the, one, the, the thing that convinces me the most. That it wasn't just a conspiracy. That it wasn't just some uh, clever plan. That it wasn't just some um, hallucin- hallucination or something like that. Which that doesn't hold any water anyway. It's a transformation that you see in the disciples of Jesus. When Jesus was on the cross, there were women there. There were women followers of his at the cross. Most of his disciples had fled and gone into hiding. When Jesus was in the grave, they were hiding in fear for their lives. And and if you put yourself in those shoes, I I think about this often. You can imagine the hope and the enthusiasm of uh, Palm Sunday as they entered Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus is preaching the kingdom. They think they don't know what's going on, but people are worshiping him. There's momentum. There's excitement, there's enthusiasm, there's hype around this movement. They've seen Jesus do amazing things. They've left everything to follow him. And he told them that uh, who has left homes and family for me will not fail to be rewarded. They're expecting great things. And the disappointment of that Thursday and that Friday, you can imagine the, the fluctuation of emotions from hope and joy and excitement to depression, disappointment, regret, anger perhaps at throwing away your life, confusion. And then after Jesus is in the, in the tomb, uh, fear, anxiety, despair. I've changed, I've given over my life, I've given up my profession. What am I going to do? What's, what's going to happen to my reputation? I've banked everything on this. And they were fearful. Peter denied Christ. They ran away. They were in hiding. And then something happened. Something happened. There was a dramatic reversal, a change. On the day of Pentecost, they burst out of that upper room, preaching the gospel, proclaiming the resurrected Christ. And from that moment on, they were interrogated incessantly. Their claims were interrogated, questioned, examined. They were challenged constantly. They were intimidated aggressively. They were persecuted relentlessly. They were harassed continually. And they were murdered ruthlessly. And I'll tell you that nobody will put up with what they put up with for a lie, for a conspiracy, for, you know, for some plan that they concocted that they're carrying out, especially with the number that there were that lived this way. Somebody would... Somebody would spill the beans. The changed lives from that Friday to that day of Pentecost is evidence that they encountered a resurrected Christ and they believed. You can look at the evidence of Paul. He says, uh, Jesus appeared to all of them and then he appeared to James. And at last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. You can read about the, the suffering that Paul faced. He persecuted the church. He did everything in his power to squash this movement and he encountered the resurrected Christ and he suffered continually. He suffered crazy. He was beaten, he was stoned, he was whipped, he was hit with rods, he was shipwrecked, he was exiled, he was put in prison and he never backed down from his claim that he knew 
and encounter the resurrected Christ. I encourage you to investigate these things if you're doubtful. But if this is true, if this is true, then there's nothing more important. You know, one of my favorite songs when I was, uh, the song came out when I was in ministry at the powerhouse, and it was a powerful song. Um, I have, you know, broken, uh, broken kids, people that had gone through at a young age, you know, very difficult things. And I play How He Loves, and some of you know that song by David Crowder. And I'd introduce it and play the song, and I'd pre- preach the gospel, and there would just be weeping and brokenness, and then there'd be joy. And it was a powerful song. And one of the lyrics in it, um, I was thinking of it this morning, because I had a very difficult week uh, this week, by the way. Uh, one of the lyrics in that song was, uh, I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way that he loves. And then a, another line says, all of a sudden, I'm unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. I don't have time to maintain these regrets. When I think about how Jesus loves us and that he has risen from the dead, he's resurrected, and that in him I have life, I don't have time to maintain these regrets. I don't have to walk around like a sad sack. I can frolic like a calf loose from the stall. All right, listen, I'm not a dancer. I just think, you know, I think you should dance more. I'll just, I can boldly make that claim. Dance in your living room, like joyful, crazy, silly dancing. And put on some worship music and dance. Uh, we used to do that. My wife, you know, I think, I think there's, there's benefits that come to that. And I'm telling you that uh, even, you know, Saturday morning, just there was a heaviness and a weight and questioning every life decision I've made almost um, upon me. And I don't have time to maintain these regrets. These afflictions are eclipsed by the glory that I serve a risen Savior, and he has the power to help me overcome. You know, Paul goes on to say that all of this depends, it depends on the resurrection. And I want to wrap this up, okay? Uh, I want to wrap this up uh, with the end of 1 Corinthians 15. Paul concludes by quoting the Old Testament. And he says that death, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory. We can stand in his resurrection. He gives life to our mortal bodies, and he raises us from the dead. He resurrects us. You can read 1 Corinthians 15 if you want a deeper understanding of this. And I want to wrap up, and I want to give an invitation, because this is a Sunday, you know, and it's Easter Sunday. It's kind of a big deal to preachers. I don't know if you know that. You know, it's kind of a, it's like, is it the Super Bowl? I don't know. Uh, and I'm a little bit nervous to be up here. Like, are you sure you want, you know, are you sure you want to bring me up here? But he concludes this, and I, I'm giving you a challenge and an invitation. 
So to those of you who meet regularly with us, this is a challenge. To those of you who are new, it's an invitation that we want to live in light of the resurrection. We want to live as though that we believe that. You know, if you believe good news, if you believe good news is good and you really believe it, there will be an impact. You will have joy. I, I bought a T-shirt this week. There's this company uh, that does this promotion, and you buy, you buy something, and you get entered into this drawing, okay? It's called, I don't know, it's called Ownbox or something like that. Your own, like you're your own box. And uh, they give away a truck with a the trailer. They're giving away a truck with a trailer, like all these mowers and weeders, stuff I need for my business. So I was like, I got a t- cool T-shirt, and I'm entered into this drawing. You better believe if they call and they say, we have some good news, I'm going to respond, right? I'm going to respond with joy, with enthusiasm, with a brightening of my face, right? My countenance will be lifted, okay? And that's a temporary thing. I'm still going to have to put gas in it. I'm still going to have to go to work every morning. But if we believe and embrace the good news of Jesus Christ, it ought to have an effect on us. And we need the world to see that. And so we need to do, as Hebrews says, stir one another up to love and good deeds. Remind one another of what Jesus has done and who we are in him. And Paul concludes, he says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I want you guys to have hope today. I want you to have joy. I could say, I could, I could go on, you know this probably, I could go on for a couple more hours and lay out the benefits and break down these claims. But I want to encourage you to believe, to receive the gospel. Investigate the claims of the gospel. We're here today. I mean, if Jesus wasn't resurrected, that would be debunked. It could have easily been uh, discredited. The, the disciples, they would have fizzled out. The movement, they might have, like said, you know, continued his teachings, like love your neighbor, you know, that sort of thing. They would not have died for a lie. They would not have gone to the grave and suffered over and over and over unless they were convinced. And their convinced lives have convinced me. And what if you live a convinced life? What if you live a life convinced that Jesus is risen and that nothing can touch you, that you'll be resurrected, you'll be, you'll be with him, that he'll deliver you? Your convinced life will convince others. I'm convinced of that. So I'm going to wrap up there. We're going to have a time of communion. If you're new here, we have, uh, you know, these little things that represent bread. And we have these little cups that represent the wine of what Jesus, like Jesus did on the last supper. He said, do this in remembrance of me. We remember his body that was broken and his blood that was shed. And we do this every week to remind ourselves of what he's done. He has died, yes, but he's risen. And so uh, there's four tables around the room. You can get up individually or on your own or with your family to take communion. Um, you can remember that, reflect on that. The worship team's coming back up. We're going we're gonna to continue the celebration. We're going to continue to worship. And I encourage you, if you're a believer, um, and you have a heaviness on you, you can kind of shake that off. Yes. I love it. David told himself, he said, why, oh, why 
so downcast, O my soul. He talked to his soul. Hope in the Lord. He told his soul what to do. He didn't let his emotions control himself. He said, I believe. These things are true. I'm going to respond. And so they're, they're playing a song. This is one of my favorite songs. Um, and it's kind of a, it definitely, you can participate, but it's a reflective song. And I don't know how, to, you know, you can, as they begin, you can take communion. But I want you to look at the lyrics, sing along, and let that be a reflection of what Jesus has done. And if you're a believer here today, celebrate with us. If you're someone who's just heard and you want to receive the gospel, if you want to believe it and follow Jesus with your life, we would love to pray for you. We want to help you through that process. And we want to walk with you. So we invite you to come back. We invite you to join our community. We're not perfect. The Corinthian church wasn't perfect. But we want to stand on the gospel. We want to help you hold fast to it and receive it and believe it. So I'm going to pray. I won't pray a long prayer. Jesus, help us to believe your resurrection. Help us to live in light of the good news. Uh, The angels proclaimed that they brought to the shepherds good news of great joy for all people. And so we ask for some great joy today. We believe your good news and we want the great joy that comes with believing it and we want to see it go to all people. So as we take communion, we remember, as we eat lunch with our families and celebrate, let us keep you in mind and follow you for the rest of the year. We pray in Jesus' name.